0: Damn, 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 damn,
1: damn, son, where'd you find this? Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 18 of the Fly Round Podcast. I am your host, Anthony, aka Tony Playboy, aka Personal Reasons, and I am joined here by one of my great friends, Demarcus, aka Nigga Marcus, aka Picks and Pennies. How you doing today, my guy? I'm good. And on the picks and
0: pennies, I told you so. I told you they would never get anything of level back for James Harden. It was always going to be picks and pennies if they traded him midseason.
1: Is this really where you want to start, DeMarcus? Because
0: absolutely. you
1: also told me that they absolutely would not trade him. Oh, no. I said they should not. They no, no, should not. You said not. they would not. I got to hear the audio on yeah, that. So yeah, I hope yeah. that you got that You said that this they week. would not. We even went back and forth on it and I was like it's happening sooner rather than later it's gonna happen before the trade deadline you were like no way they at least keep him for a year
0: Brooklyn overreacted to Kyrie disappearing and the injury to uh what's his name
1: Dinwiddie so let's move on to some other things because we are going to talk about Kyrie's antics in this trade ad nauseum this week but Divisional rounds are coming up in the NFL. Wild weekend last week, I went 4 and 2 on our predictions. You went 3 and 3. Quick hits, let me know what you think. Saints versus the Bucks. Uh Saints. Ooh, I'm going to take the Bucks on that one. Bills versus the Ravens. I'm going uh, to keep betting against the Ravens, I'm taking the Bills. I will take the Ravens. I might clean sweep you this week. Let's see what happens. Chiefs versus the Browns. Uh, oh, that's easy. Chiefs. <laughs> I, I, I will. I will as well stick with Kansas City. Uh, at least for now. Packers versus Rams. Uh, pack. All right, Green Bay. The, the only... Rams'
0: offense looked terrible.
1: All right, facts. We only disagree on two of them. We'll see how it goes down. Dan Quinn, next defensive coordinator of the Cowboys.
0: Not I, not a great move in my opinion. It didn't cement. They interviewed that many people. He has never had a good defense in Atlanta. It's been a very long time since he coached
1: the Legion of Boom. All right. Look, we have an exciting show for you all today. We are going to get into a crazy series of stories about 2019 first round draft pick for the Cleveland Cavaliers, Kevin Porter Jr. Get in-depth on the Harden trade to Brooklyn do this week's fly route on where Deshaun Watson should want to go now that he wants out of Houston, give you our next iteration of COVID and crossovers, and this week's Ballers Bouquet. The, 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 the fly route pop. 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 Welcome to the Tea Off. Oh, oh, oh,
0: ooh, spill that tea, sis.
1: This is how we like to start our show off. We like to spill some tea on some of our favorite athletes and the crazy situations they get themselves into. Today's Tea Off subject is Cleveland Cavaliers' first-round pick. If you all aren't familiar with him, he was 30th pick in the draft in 2019, Kevin Porter Jr., He's a relatively young NBA player, is only 20 years old. And honestly, he had a pretty good rookie season averaged 10 points, three boards, two assists, played about 50 games before, you know, COVID shut everything down. And he has not played a single game this year because of a string of off the court incidents that we're going to get into today. I don't know if you've heard about any of these stories, Demarcus. Have you? No, none oh, at all. This oh, is news to me. This is some crazy stuff. So in mid-November, the first story broke. And he was arrested after crashing his car. And it's a nice car, as you would imagine. You know, a 2020 Benz GLE. The windows and the windshield were busted off. The car flipped over. All the airbags went off. The pictures are actually pretty gruesome. Yeah. Yeah, it was a bad, bad crash. Right? And... The police, you know, obviously see the bad crash. They come to the vehicle to check on you, etc. And while they're attending to him at the crash site, they find a loaded coat 45.
0: I mean, he has good taste. Keep going. Tell me more.
1: Responsible gun owner DeMarcus approves of the choice. Dumb don't jam. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> I mean, he, he going to be safe. That's all I'm going to say. And some weed. Oh,
0: Okay, that's a problem. Any, any respectable, responsible gun owner knows that you can't be under the influence of illegal substances.
1: Look, it's, you know, it's interesting because he was cited for the crash and was arrested on charges of improperly handling a firearm in a motor vehicle and the possession of the marijuana. To be fair, the police do not believe he was under the influence of weed at the time that he crashed the car. Right? They said it was most likely a fatigue issue and they did not believe he was impaired. He was honest with the cops and told him that he had some drinks that night, but he passed the field sobriety test. They were not concerned with that. It seems like he just crashed his car because he was tired. Right, He was released later on, pretty cheap bail, only 4K, especially for someone of his means at this point in time. Right, And he pleads not guilty, first off, to the misdemeanor charge of marijuana possession. You know, in Cleveland, if you're a ball player, that goes away. Yeah, we know. That goes away. We don't do none of that. And he entered a no plea for the felony gun charge. And first first off, like, this is popping. This is really big. But because these are very serious charges, I want you to know, for real, though, if you're in Cleveland and you're a ball player, we don't really charge you for that because the drug abuse charge has been dismissed this week. So... We're done with that, and he pleaded down to a guilty charge of failure to control the vehicle, and he was fined like $110 in total for those two things, and those were court costs, not like fines associated with the crime. However, and now this is the bad part, the county is going to have a grand jury to hear details on his gun charge.
0: Why do they need a grand jury for that? This just seems simple.
1: I imagine he wants to fight the fuck out this thing.
0: Sure, but he he can't do anything about a grand jury, and they don't they wouldn't need a grand jury because he was already found in possession of the gun. Like I don't understand. Like well, he's charged, and they and they start the process right away. There's he's no
1: charge for improper handling of a firearm. Right. This is important because he could it could be a licensed firearm that is his. He's been he's not yeah, being yeah, yeah. charged. He's being charged with improper handle,
0: but I'm saying it's like there's like is there a body on the gun or something? Because improper handling seems like a real simple issue that you you'd maybe go to trial for. Absolutely, but I don't understand the the grand jury part as far as my knowledge of the legal process goes.
1: Look, that part I it has not happened yet. A date for that trial has not been set forth, and generally we're like okay. We want some more information before we talk about things like this. But the reason why we're on this right now is because it's kind of a trend of a series of issues that he's going through. So there's a second situation that happens in August, but it stays pretty underwrapped until, I don't know, you crash your car. It flips over. Now there's like felony charges against you. And people are starting to look a little bit closer into Kevin Porter Jr., right? Like unsurprisingly so. So in August... He was accused of assaulting a woman in an apartment complex, in a brawl that included his sister.
0: Okay, this is starting to go downhill.
1: Uh, tell me more. Downhill fast, right? <laughs> One summer? Is, this, is that right? August and November. These things happened in August and November. So within six months of each other, though. Okay. Six months? Within two and three. a half months. Three. Like, I okay. don't know what happened in October, but apparently October was a very good month for this young man. Well, nothing that we heard about, at least. (laughs) So, according to the police report by Cleveland Police, a 26-year-old woman and a 19-year-old woman said that they were leaving an apartment unit. Look, he has to, first off, know these two women well enough that they were in the same apartment unit, not complex unit. And apparently, his sister starts getting into it with the 26-year-old, right? They start exchanging words is how they describe the incident. (laughs) I love that description. (laughs) We have words. You're like, what? Niggas know what you mean when you say exchanging words. And apparently Porter's sister swung on homegirl, hit her in the face. And now I'm assuming maybe Porter thinks that this is about to become a two-on-one situation because homegirls were her homegirl and your sister just punched her in the face. Allegedly, Porter throws his drink in the 19-year-old's face, rips off her wig, nigga. Oh God! no, Rips no, not the wig. It punches her in the left side of her face and they said that she was swelling and the swelling was visible at the time where the police report was taken Nigga, I I shit you not. they said she she snatched her wig and bopped her yeah.
0: at he should have taken the Rondo approach been like, I'm gonna try to break y'all up, but I'm not about to
1: get involved. that's di- look, yes, it, it
0: obviously- was a different situation, but Rondo's like demeanor was like, I'm really trying to break up this fight and not get in this fight. Yes, not a two-on-one, but he could have he could have just held her back and restrained her. Like, this is an NBA player. He can hold <laughs> back some 19-year-old, some literal teenage, literally a teenage girl. I think he can
1: hold her back. Look, I 100% agree with you. This shit is wild. And one of the first things that came to me is like, yo, don't you hate it when someone invites some random niggas to the kickback that you don't really know and you don't know how they're going to act? Oh, absolutely! Like absolutely, this is why we asked the eternal question: Who all gonna be there? Because <laughs> <laughs> you can't have this happen, right? And I'm not saying this is what happens, but that is a super relatable situation where you're like, "Yo, how did this shit pop off? Who is these niggas, and who who let y'all in here?" But then, according to the police report, another unidentified sus- suspect, described as a black male with dreads, stepped into the fight and threw the 19 year old. Against uh, against a refrigerator, like threw her against the refrigerator, and this is crazy because three witnesses corroborate this story. So far, this is pretty crazy, right? Would you believe me if I told you it got crazier? But
0: wait, there's more.
1: But wait, nigga, there is more. Now apparently, they are leaving this apartment like unit into like the hallway of like open spot of the complex when this is happening. A security guard apparently. Sees what's going on. He tries to step in, and then they get into it with the security guard. And Porter is claiming at this point in time that he was then assaulted by the security guards of the apartment complex. What does he allege happened? He he alleges like he he alleges he was assaulted. He alleges like they beat down on him in a way that they shouldn't have. Now there's body cam footage of the police once they show up, and there's a they're like basically trying to break up a confrontation at this point it looks to be outside of the apartment complex between porter and the security guard Mm -hmm. and you hear him say you tried that shit he points a finger at the security guard and says i'll remember you i'll remember you boy which sounds like a threat but i'm like that's not my business neither here nor there but if the police is there and you and you really that type of nigga you probably shouldn't point at the nigga you have your problems with and say, I'll remember you. He says that y'all tried that shit. Y'all tried to assault me. They're like, look, we saw what happened. And basically P- Porter, they say he, then starts saying that he's going to kill another person in this situation. So me and my partner, we had to jump in, is what the security guards okay. are saying. He issued a death threat. They felt like they had to get involved. Things got aggressive. There was a lot of pushing, fighting in the situation. To me, this sounds
0: like he was having a fight. Dreadhead dude shows up, allegedly, joins this fight. They take it outside. Security guards hear them fighting or someone, you know, whatever. They're doing their job and doing rounds. They try to break up the fight. And Porter takes them breaking up the fight as or trying to stop him from beating on these women as an assault. That's what it sounds like to me.
1: Okay. I'm with you. Still, this is even more interesting, though. Because you're saying, okay, maybe they didn't do anything wrong. Porter is the one that's in the wrong here. But the security guards, right, refused to make a report after the incident to the police. So they refused to make a report to the police. The police then filed no charges in this incident since this happened. Yeah. Yeah. See, look at your face. This is sounding kind of fishy now. Yeah, and his attorney is like, first off, the claim of him assaulting this person is blatantly false. There is, I quote, there is no truth to this allegation, which is why the allegation has led nowhere. And then he goes on to say, we are independently investigating the incident that occurred as opposed to the assault on Porter. Wow. Now, does it change how you're feeling about this? It adds a layer
0: of nuance that I was not expecting originally.
1: And this is crazy because no charges has been filed. He's already fighting a felony case, has not shown up to the team. But this is not a Kyrie situation. The team is like, yo, you should chill over there until you kind of get your shit together, get your mind in the right place and, you know, grow some, become more mature. Well, they don't want that drama. Like they like stay home. Look, We good. But they're not dropping them. In fact, they're standing behind him, right?
0: Oh, he's talented. That's all that says.
1: <laughs> and the Cavs coach, you know, J.B. Bickerstaff, he was kind of like, look, we won't give up on anybody. We'll continue to give people the best opportunity to make themselves into the best version of themselves that we possibly can until you leave that door. And even then, we'll maintain relationships with you and try to help you whenever we possibly can. Our responsibility, and I quote, is not just to the guys on the basketball court. Our responsibility is to try to be a well-rounded development vocation.
0: Interesting comment from Mr. Bickerstaff. But, um. You buy that? I don't know how you said su- If there's any truth to the allegations that basically Porter beat up this teenage girl, how do you stand by him? Like, I, I understand, like, well, I could say, like, support him, etc., but. At a certain point, we got to disagree. We could disagree on some things or how you go about your life, but uh, there are some things where just like, you should know better. Like, you you shouldn't be hitting on literally teenage girls and
1: assaulting them. It's like, allegedly. We'll stand by you through the marijuana charge. We'll stand by you through the gun charge. Through the gun charge. But we got to draw a line right here. It, it seems it like a reasonable
0: bitches. line. I'm with and you. I, I'm surprised the NBA themselves are not more into this with all the domestic violence stuff that happened just a couple years ago. Um, that was, that was the hot thing. Um, and that I think still should be if players are hit out here, hidden women or their, their spouses or whoever, then
1: they should receive punishments for that. It's interesting. We'll see how this turns out so far. They're not bringing any charges in the assault dispute, but they, he is going to currently have to go to trial for a felony gun charge. So we're hoping for the best. That things turn up for him? Are we? Well, if he didn't I mean, do it... Well, it will, yeah. I don't want to see an innocent man go to jail, but... Look, if they don't bring any charges on him for the assault situation, I don't understand why he, the only case he's fighting right now is a gun charge.
0: So, I mean, maybe... And this is possible. This is certainly something that's possible. Maybe they are saving it because they, they want him to go to jail, but they don't want him to beat all the charges at once. They're like, we'll do the gun charge to the assault charge and they're just gonna do it one by one and just keep him tied up for like three years.
1: Well, they dropped the marijuana charge already.
0: Well, I mean, you got the possible assault, the domestic assault in the apartment. You got the possible assault with the security guards and the gun charge.
1: Okay. i have been. Mean, there's still
0: three incidents.
1: It's it's interesting, but the assault ones happened like um, over a month before the accident. Fair. Okay, fair. That's true. So hopefully he at least beats his gun charge. All right? That's all. That's what I'm going to say. That is his most dire situation now. That was your tee off. Oh, 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 oh. Spit that T, ooh, sis. Spit that T, ooh. sis. Y'all, 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 you Tony Playboy. All right. Let us, let's get into straight up the biggest NBA news of the season by far, the Houston... Rockets have traded James Harden to the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets get to put together the big three of James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving when he feels like it. And I, I'm I'm
0: gonna wait. I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna be a patient man. Okay. We'll talk about Kyrie later.
1: Okay. And it so let's get into the details of the trade. First off, Brooklyn gets James Harden and a 2024 second round pick that comes from the Cavs it's a 14 deal right the Cavs give up a second round pick to Brooklyn Houston gets Victor Oladipo via the Pacers Dante Exum some nigga named Radonis Kirkus I I don't know who you are I guess you might just make the money work and most importantly four unprotected first round picks And for unprotected pick swaps with Brooklyn. The Pacers out of this get Karis Lavert, which is basically just a Lavert for Oladipo straight for straight. And the Cavs get Jared Allen and Torian Prince. All right, Demarcus, what are your original, like, first take thoughts on this trade?
0: A few things here. So if you're Brooklyn, you don't mind giving up those four first round draft picks. In your mind, you're gonna be in the finals or about in the finals, or close to it, every year for the next four years. You're thinking you can do what Golden State did uh, for a long time in the NBA. So if you're Brooklyn, you don't think those picks that you gave Houston are going to be any good to begin with. Um, And you, of course, get hard, and you get the chance to win championships is what you assembled this team to do. From Brooklyn, I don't think this is a bad trade. I think it's still a lot of picks to give up in case it does go bad. I would give them probably a B-minus. So there's a lot of picks to give up, a lot of assets to give up, a lot of pick swaps. But I think overall, I would give them a B minus. Now, when it comes to the the Rockets, they actually, you know, pretty decent to get that many draft picks. Now, like I said, I don't think they will be that good, but they can always package those draft picks into a really good draft pick in one or two of the years that um, someone comes available, which is not a bad place to be in. They were already kind of aware that they were going to have to move off of Harden eventually. So having this year be, um, you know, Oladipo, John Wall, Boogie, etc., is not a bad team to put together whatsoever. Uh, they know they're not going to win a championship, but like I told you months ago, this owner is cheap, so he likes this. He can get out of a lot of these deals relatively quickly and easily, and keep the picks basically, which um, is of course a great strategy that Jimmy Johnson used in the Cowboys trade back in like 1990 or whatever when he traded for a bunch of players and picks and basically cut all the players and then knocked all the picks out of the park. So for Houston to really win this trade, they've got to knock all these picks out of the park. But I don't think, I just don't see it happening.
1: You don't I, find another Harden. got ask you this. So you're of the mind that Houston won't even want to re-sign Oladipo, and they just want the Caps. Because uh, he's a free agent. Well, league. even
0: if you even if you re-sign him, you think you're giving him a Supermax?
1: Not a Supermax, but you're going to give him a lot of money. He's Victor Oladipo. He's going to command money on the market. No, no,
0: he'll be good. He'll keep your your team competitive and in the conversation, but it's still less than what you would probably pay Harden or pay. But, but this really is is this, this is not even like from a team finance perspective. This is like the owner literally is counting penny pennies and every million that he can save matters to his bottom line. His businesses are not doing hot right now because of the pandemic.
1: Okay. So, I gave Houston Let's, for me, if they re sign Oladipo, I think the grade is actually an A for them. However, if Oladipo leaves at the end of the season, I'm going to say it's more of a B minus. It's a tough one. It's a tough one to give them. But they basically have turned Oladipo to Harden and some other two other guys for four picks and four pick swaps, which is actually pretty good, even though it's still not the value of James Harden. Right. More importantly, they said they wanted a young star that they could build around has a high ceiling to go forward from. Right now, I mean, Victor Oladipo is not the prima facie example of that, but he is a good one.
0: No, Victor Oladipo is a really good player in this league. He's an all-star kind of player. And if he goes and off and you know stays healthy and goes off and has a good year, um, he can possibly be a sneak into the all-NBA conversation. But is he James Harden? Is he a transcendent offensive talent, which you may never see again? No. I think I'd be a little less generous than you on the grades. I'd probably give Houston an A minus if he resigns, and I'd probably give them like a C plus if he does not resign. Because if he doesn't, the other players in this, this uh, in this trade for Houston at least don't do much for them in the short term or the long term. Yes,
1: I agree. The other players don't really do much for them. I feel like this is definitely a situation in which you had to get rid of Harden. Like just Tuesday night. Harden was open with the media, said that this is not going to work. It is not working. It is crazy. And then his other teammates had to then answer press conference questions. And Boogie was real straight up. Boogie was like, "Yo, this is disrespectful." But this ain't the first time. It's been disrespect since get. And like it felt like he was actively crushing that locker room, their culture, and their ability to build or do. Anything with him in the room.
0: Um. Yeah. I just think that Houston. I mean, they weren't willing to get that all that uncomfortable in the end, um, <laughs> which is what it comes down to. I think uh, other other teams, other owners and GMs would have gotten more uncomfortable and let this play out a little bit longer. Um. There's, of course, you know, always a chance that it would have worked out. Um. Then that they could have come to some kind of agreement and they could have gotten back into contention. Maybe not this year, but I mean, Harden. What? 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 The, what, the way his game is, it's not like this is gonna be the end of his prime, like he's still going to be a really good player in this league for a long time.
1: So rest of the people, I actually think the Cavs get an A plus out of this.
0: Oh no, the Cavs did really well in this trade. That do, I do agree with. They are a team that is rebuilding. They need to put together young star players or people who are near stars that are on the rise. And I think they added another one um, and it's going to help them in an Eastern conference. That's going to be, um, you know, it's getting better, but it's getting top heavy. And so there's going to be a nice soft underbelly to kind of stay in the playoffs, stay relevant for a little while, and maybe try to build while you wait out the beast at the top.
1: Yeah, they got Jared Allen and Torian Prince for a second round pick, and as long as they can—that's great. Yeah, as long as they can retain Jared Allen, that's huge for them. Now, the Pacers, the surprise team in here, the one that we didn't really see coming. The Pacers basically get Oladipo on an aspiring contract. There have been rumors since the bubble that he did not want to be with them anymore. He was not going to resign for Karis LeVert. And I actually think this is like a B-plus trade for the Pacers. Like, I I would like to have seen you try to shoot harder for something for Oladipo, but maybe they were shopping and they weren't able to get what they wanted.
0: I mean, I I think I give this probably a B minus. This is not a bad trait. I think knowing that Oladipo didn't want to be there and getting and him being a free agent next year and getting anything back for him of value is a win, uh, for sure. Uh, but I think this team needs they don't have, in my opinion, someone to build their team around. They just don't have it. They they came to the conclusion that it wasn't Oladipo. Um, well, no, it's not T J. Whatever Oladipo, his name is.
1: They Oladipo did not. Want well, him. I mean. They thought it was Oladipo. Yeah. <laughs> like they, they were like, oh, it's going to well, be one. They, well,
0: when they made the trade to get him, yeah, of course you think it's Oladipo. He's really young. He's super talented. You make the all-star team. He, especially Indiana, the place that loves basketball, is going to keep your team good and relevant and consistent. And they, I mean, the team's not bad. The The, the Pacers uh, front office knows what they're doing and getting, they got back more value. They're going to have um, Levert and if they want to, they can repackage him if they know he's not going to resign he has to somebody two years else in his ma-
1: contract and is several million dollars cheaper than Oladipo is currently. Not Oladipo's next right. contract. So this is huge. He is cheaper than Oladipo for two plus years longer. And he's still an 18 point a game score. He, I think, would actually work really well with Malcolm Brogdon. Like that's still quite a no. good backcourt, and in the next two years, Lavert might get even better. Like the Pacers basically just need to keep trying to hook a fish that so they can finally get to stay.
0: No, absolutely. Well, they also need to keep trying to hook a big
1: fish. I think that going big game they're hunting not is hooking nobody big. They're the Pacers, which is why they have to yeah. keep doing this. Like Paul George wants well, to okay. leave George for Depot. Depot wants to leave Depot for Lavert, and they're just hoping that one of the fishes that they hook that grows and becomes better will hopefully stay because they just love Indiana so much.
0: Okay. You could be right. Or they could keep getting lots of really good fish and then trade a few good fish for one really big fish. Um, and that's also something that they could do. And I think they're a smart enough team to be able to pull off enough good moves to accumulate the assets to do that.
1: That's fair. That's fair. Hopefully they can do that, but it requires some of those good fish to stay. To be able to package multiple yeah. of them. And
0: but this is a good B-minus work by the Pacers. Yeah, I, I
1: I liked it. I liked it a lot. Now, I gave Brooklyn a B. I honestly just felt like this gave me very big Celtic fleece god feelings. It could turn out like, to be that. Both James, this is very similar to the Clippers for me. Both James and KD can leave in two years. Maybe Kyrie as well.
0: Right, and you gave up four years worth Mm -hmm. of picks, and then plus, even if they stay, even if they stay, these guys are injury prone. Except for Harden, the others are injury prone. As and or might literally walk off the face, the edge of the earth. I'm (laughs) sorry, I was I was gonna save the Kyrie stuff, but
1: (laughs) yeah. And then look at now. Here's Houston drafting Jason Tatum. Here's Houston drafting Jalen Brown. Right, so. That is the thing that gave me like really bad flashbacks of past Houston mistakes in this area, but hopefully it all turns out. Well, I I'm interested to see what this Houston like team can do now with Oladipo, John wall, boogie, and like Christian wood, who's honestly great upcoming star for them. And I'm even more interested to see what this Brooklyn big three is. I
0: am interested. I mean, the NBA season is off to the running. There's lots of great stories. I can't wait to see
1: what happens. It's been a couple weeks off, but let's get into the fly route for this week. Deshaun Watson, because Houston is having a ton of problems. All their stars want out. Deshaun Watson was recently promised some input on the GM and head coaching decisions by leadership and ownership of the Houston Texans. However, they did not follow through on those promises and basically lied to this man's face. They hired a new GM, of course, from the Patriots lineage, Nick Casario, because like, I guess they really, really, really think that they can become the Patriots. And then they refused to even interview the one head coach candidate that Watson said he wanted them to interview
0: who's also the best candidate.
1: Eric Bieniemy, the architect of the Kansas City Chief Offense, the Super Bowl winning offensive coordinator. You remember the uh, other Super Bowl winning offensive coordinator recently and what he's doing in the 49ers? No, he's actually a Super I Bowl do. losing offensive coordinator.
0: Yeah, twice actually now.
1: Yeah. And Falcons well, and the Niners. Coach, he coached to the Niners, but he lost the Super Bowl. Then he went somewhere. Yes. And, so crazy stuff. And they have, Honestly, on Wednesday they caved and said, "Oh, you know, now that things are fucked up, we want to interview Eric Bieniemy." But guess what? They can't. They can't anymore. The window of time for them to interview him has passed, and now it's against tampering rules, and they have to wait until basically the Chiefs are out of the playoffs. So, That'd Super Bowl, be very... yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's huge. He says he wants out. Houston Texans legends are telling him to stand his ground, like Andre Johnson and telling him that they are wasting your career and they are known for wasting high-level talent in Houston and you should get out of there as soon as you can. This is a guy that, historically, the thing that people say about him as a star in the league is he never fucking talked. But he decided to get on a soapbox and be like, bro, you got to get out of there. You know, D-Hop co-signed that with the quickness.
0: Well, think about this, J.J. Watt. Do you think that they have maximized his career and given him what he deserves?
1: J.J. Watt walking off the field for their last game said, hey, man, I'm sorry we wasted wasted one of your years. So I I can't disagree with that.
0: I think he is right to want out. He just should have realized this before he signed that deal. And then he could have been a free agent or at least flirting with it.
1: Uh, you know they would have franchise tagged him.
0: Yeah, they've been doing the same thing the Cowboys are doing with Dak playing chicken. But
1: Oh, it's um, not the same know, thing because he don't want to be there. It's a Kirk Cousins situation.
0: Oh yeah. Well, at this point, yeah. And but I'm saying he should have saw it. I mean, the owner, the owner, and the way the team dealt with the other disgruntled players should have let him know that even if he was a good boy, they was never going to treat him like he thought he should deserve, and like how other teams treat their franchise quarterbacks. Like, it, like they
1: probably basically him, though,
0: traded away a bunch of good players who were upset because they were doing some messed up stuff.
1: Yes, but then they fired Bill O'Brien. He was the GM and the head coach, and then they tell you we are going to give you input on the next ones. We want you to have a say in what we do from here on out. So he's like, oh, okay, that's great. Let it's me sign pillow this talk. contract. They it's pillow, talk, pillow talk, talk this nigga. They did pillow talk, my nigga. You're right.
0: And he didn't have nobody good enough to tell him not to fall for it.
1: Look, it, it sucks. But here we are now. He wants to be traded. And this is a great fly route, in my opinion, because Deshaun Watson has a no trade clause, which means that where he goes, he has to want to go there. That is a situation that almost never happens in the NFL. So, Demarcus, what is the fly route for Deshaun Watson? So this is going to be unconventional, and there's going to be one big
0: reason people think this won't happen. But I think this is the best case scenario, and it works out as a win for all three parties involved, or possibly four. It should be Jacksonville, and the reason for the, the the best reason is that Houston can trade Deshaun Watson for the number one overall draft pick. And get a franchise quarterback for next year as well. You don't want to be without one of these guys. Your current franchise quarterback, who you just paid, once out. You know that your team is bad right now, and so it, it it works out. You get back number one. He might want to go there. They have lots of high draft capital. It, he could have the Deshaun could have the power and the influence that he wants. It's a owner who is from you know overseas. It's uh, Shah Khan. The team is rebuilding right now. Um, they would be beholden to him and him to them. And so um, he could have all that power and influence and he could still have talented teams put around him eventually because Houston has not put the offensive line around him. That's necessary. He's got beaten up in his first couple of years in the league a lot and was running around sometimes. I mean, he's good at running, but sometimes that was running for his life. So Jacksonville has a draft capital to get him. Houston needs a franchise quarterback. Uh, Houston could be very happy with Trevor Lawrence Plus, it lets Houston reset their 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 cap, knowing the cap is going to go be gonna go down. You can sign Lawrence to the rookie deal and then have time to rebuild your team back up to what you think it can be over time. And I think Trevor Lawrence probably fits in better in Houston than Deshaun Watson does um, as far as how the city is gonna perceive him.
1: Look. And so
0: I think this works out for all parties involved. I'll call this a win win win. Except for them being in the same division, this this makes a lot of sense on paper.
1: I call this a lose, 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 DeMarcus. I'm going to be honest with you. The most important word that you said in this to me was eventually. If he's worried about them wasting his years in Houston right now, eventually is not good enough when you have a no trade clause. I'm going to tell you what I think. The fly route is the team that so far the rumors say Deshaun is interested in, and that is the Miami Dolphins. You're talking about draft capital. Here's what I'll tell you. The Dolphins have the third and the 18th pick in this draft. It's not the first pick, but it is the third and the 18th pick.
0: Oh, hold on, though. You mean the third the third pick that Houston had and traded away to Miami? Okay, hey, go look, ahead. we
1: will make you whole. <laughs> you <laughs> For a price? What was it worth? <laughs> <laughs> we will make you whole, and you can come get this back and start undoing some of the damage that Bill O'Brien did to your franchise. You earned that 4-12 and record. You should get this third pick. Garnel, come on over here. You know, we'll set you right. But look what's up. They get those two picks, and then they can also get Tua, which means they get the rookie quarterback that you think is a good idea that sets them to reset their cap, and then they get the third and 18th pick to immediately get two relatively high first-rounders and start to rebuild their team. It sets them up for the instant rebuild. So, I mean, that's
0: basically... Miami trading three first rounders for Deshaun. Do you think that even without two, if they really did have three first rounders, they could get the pick, the draft, the 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 trade done?
1: I think it's basically three first rounders, but one of them is a franchise supposed to be a franchise quarterback, and maybe they can toss in a defensive player because the Dolphins have a litany of great defensive players right now and an amazing defense, and that could also push Houston more, And I think that gets the deal done just about as much as J- the Jaguars will. But more importantly, it gets it done and will actually want Deshaun Watson to release the no trade clause. Think about this. The Dolphins were a fantastic team and Tua was not impressive. And the other guy was Ryan Fitzpatrick. You put Deshaun Watson on that team? Deshaun Watson with the fourth best defense in the league? The Best defense on third down in the league, which means he keeps getting the ball in his hands. The fourth best turnover margin in the league, which means they will also put points on the board for him. It has a black head coach that is obviously, so far, shown to be quite good at his job, dude. Miami was 10-6 and last year, not 1-15. and You know, you're right about everything you
0: said. But here's the problem. Tua didn't look too hot. That doesn't agree with the franchise quarterback statement. We thought he was a franchise quarterback, but he didn't look too hot. The reason they were 10-6 and six is because in a lot of those games at the, in the end, in the second half, or the fourth quarter, they called on Fitz Magic to close out the game, and he came through. And even in their last game of the season where they could have won, and I believe possibly got into the playoffs, he didn't look too good. And so if you're Houston, do you think that he's your franchise quarterback? Is he your Deshaun, or is he Trevor Lawrence, or is he a class below them?
1: If he's not, guess what you can do with the number three pick. Just there's Beals. no good
0: quarterbacks. This you think he's going to be there at number three?
1: Yeah, I don't think the uh, Jets will go off of Sam Darnold. Darnold. Yeah, I think the Jets will keep Sam Darnold and either get Sam Darnold a really great offensive lineman at two, which is what they really need. Probably but, the okay. perceived best O lineman in the in the draft goes to. Technically, you're not wrong,
0: but they don't know that when they they're going to be drafting here in March or whenever in 2021, and two is not going to hit the field for them until uh, you know August September. So they don't know if he looks bad or is he what he was his rookie year in his second year until a year later.
1: It's a great situation to be in where you get to choose between these two young guys, and one of them it's one both of them should have franchise level talent. You get to pick one. Wasn't that the Chargers that basically had that choice with Philip Rivers and Drew Brees? Uh,
0: well, they had both of them.
1: Yeah, they didn't that's get, what I'm they saying. Have to, and Brees gets just happened situation. to get hurt. Houston gets a similar situation in which you have two franchise level possible quarterbacks that you get to test out and pick one. Not many people are in that situation.
0: It would be kind of wild, I will admit, if they traded uh Watson to Houston for the in this or Watson to Miami in this deal you're talking about. And then, right after that trade, a couple months later, took a quarterback in the draft. Like that would be, I I, I have not, I can't think of a situation of that like that happening in my my recollection and my memory. I'm not saying that it won't happen, but I would be very surprised if it goes down just like that.
1: I'm just saying if you're if you think they're low on Tua, then they take the two picks, some defensive players, and make it happen. But you know, we will see what happens. Will Deshaun Watson be the next star? To Exodus from Houston.
0: Let's 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 stop, let's Playboy.
1: All right, let's get into the second iteration of COVID and crossovers, where we give you all the major updates in NBA COVID news. Demarcus, Demarcus, Demarcus. The NBA has had to postpone. Nine games this season and eight since Sunday. We are recording on Wednesday. So I anticipate by the time we drop, they would have postponed several more games at the very least. The Sixers are dealing with an outbreak or have positive tests. The Celtics, the Mavericks, the Wizards, the Heat, the Bulls, the Warriors, the Suns. Jesus Christ. That's like half the league. Nigga, right? So this is insane right now. Last week, we talked about, you know, them testing people that you come in close contact with that live in your household. And I said, well, maybe they'll be ahead on things when they come to them. Clearly, I was wrong because COVID has rocked the league. Yeah, I mean, the the main thing is on based
0: on the way they're going right now, I don't think they are going to be able to play this full 72-game season in the time period that they had allowed for. Because most of these games have just been postponed and they have not found a time to reschedule them in. And this means that they're going to have to extend the season or make teams play on days they would have been off later in the season instead. And so I just don't see that happening, or I don't think it's very likely to happen, given the proximity uh, of the NBA season ending on the calendar right now and the Olympics. And things are looking looking better in the world. 2021 started off kind of wild, but we've got the vaccine. There are lots of There's even now more news of a Chinese vaccine that's decently well and the U.S. vaccine's rolling out faster, et cetera. It looks very likely that we're going to have an Olympics and that athletes are going to want to go possibly and it's going to be safe to go. And so they can't push the season back anymore. So they're going to have to cut games and come
1: to some agreement with the NF, uh, NBA PA and their TV uh, providers. The first thing that we should remember here is that they only released the first half of the season schedule because exactly. the second half has a period of time built into it. They did something the NFL did not for postponed games. We don't know how long that period is, though. And the way that they are postponing games, when we are only, what, nine games in? Mm -hmm. It feels like you're still going to be right no matter what, but at least they have kind of prepared themselves for this situation.
0: Yeah, I mean, the NFL did not end up needing the extra weeks in the season that, that we thought they did, or at least I thought they did. But they were very lucky not to. Um, especially toward the end of the season when the pandemic was spiking all around. Maybe they got their protocols down by the end or players finally took it serious. No, they just played but games without then,
1: quarterbacks, nigga. Like they were just like, fuck it. There were some of those. <laughs> there were some
0: of those. Uh, but I mean, for the most part, think about going down the the week 16, 17, 18, or sorry, weeks 15, 16, 17 of the season, you know, the three weeks leading into the playoffs and the playoff hunt. There weren't too many games compromised by COVID. There were certainly some, absolutely. Uh, but there weren't as many as you maybe would have thought based on how bad the pandemic was in the rest of the country. And so I thought the NFL got lucky. I don't think the other leagues will get lucky and have not so far. And the baseball was not lucky this summer. Basketball has not been lucky so far. Until we see what they have planned for the second part of the season and this this time period to to play these games in, uh, it's going to be very difficult to say that they're going to be able to finish 72 games in the amount of time they have allotted. because Yes, uh, right now the, the finals would end in like mid-July, which is not too far off, about a month back from where they would normally end in, in mid to late June. But here's the difference. They started the season at Christmas. they normally start in October. So unless they have taken literally six weeks of time in the spring where they can play all these extra games, I don't see it happening.
1: So here's something that's very interesting to me when you compare football and basketball. Football, I think, is got a lot of leeway from how large their rosters are, but also, in particular, how the NFL expanded their practice squads and allowed people mm-hmm. to be called up and expanded their roster spots because of that, and that has seemed to do the NFL a lot of good. It's like we hear, okay, offensive tackle is out, pull one up from the practice squad. The um, I want to say the Rams kept the whole extra quarterback kind of on their practice squad, but not with the team that they were able to pull in in a situation. So interesting. The NBA has done some things, but maybe not in a way that accounts for how small their rosters are in the first place. So the NBA has made some changes to their COVID protocols that I think we should get into that they think is going to stymie these outbreaks, hopefully. And to be fair, As of right now, people are not very positive on these changes. And to be honest, when you hear them, you will be disappointed as well. So the first major change is that when teams are in their home market, the players and staff must remain at home at all times unless they are going to team related activities, exercising outside or performing essential activities such as like getting groceries. They have to be in their homes basically any other time. They say anybody who regularly visits the home of a player or a staff must have two COVID tests per week. Before, I think it was an optional situation, which is how they caught the KD thing, right? Where KD did not test positive, but someone that is in KD's home did. Now it's mandatory. They are supposed to limit any away from work interactions to only family members and household members that are with them or personal staff that comes into their home. Personal staff that comes into their home are required to now be tested two times a week. Pre-game meetings and all meetings outside of the game can only be 10 minutes long. Everybody has to wear a mask and any other meetings has to be held on the court or in an arena room that's big enough to allow everybody to be six feet distance from each other. So, so far, like these are pretty draconian, but they're not super crazy. Now, what happens when you're on the road? They've also changed those rules. Players cannot leave their hotel rooms anymore except for team-related activities on the road. They can no longer this have f- guests in their hotel rooms. Before, the league was like, you have family members, limited number of family members, like I think it's up to two, and long-standing personal friends. So like, when did you follow her on Instagram? But they were allowed. Now, they cannot have any guests, and they cannot leave their room except for home, uh, except for Game activities, league-related activities—they can no longer go to restaurants, any of that. So I totally agree with these precautions.
0: That's basically how I've lived for the past uh, ten months. You know, uh, not going anywhere except for the grocery store and then to work. Um, I think, despite them being somewhat heavy-handed, they are—they have not gone too far, and I think these things should work. NBA players won't like it. They will break these rules. They will end up playing PlayStation in each other's rooms. They will end up trying to sneak in women. We've seen it happen already. I think we will see it happen again. You know, the, the big thing really is, and I'll talk about this a little bit, the NBA is changing things on the fly because they literally don't know what works and what does not work. And yeah, there's a lot we don't know about this virus, but the NBA is in a very precarious position right now when it comes to, you know, the ability to have a full season and make enough money for things to be right next year or the year after that. And that's the biggest bottom line here. That's the reason why these teams are playing is, are they going to be able to make enough money in order to make up for the losses they had? Especially, you know, missing a bunch of games last season. They've cut 10 games this season. And even, and this other thing, when you're in, on the road and you're traveling, this is important. We saw already the NBA has teams playing a lots of back-to-backs or, uh, you know, two-game uh, two stands against the same team to reduce the no- amount of travel. And that means, let's say that you're in utah which is already pretty boring and you are now stuck in your hotel room for the better part of three or four days anytime you're not at practice or a game that's pretty difficult on the players and at that point you might as well start to consider going back to a bubble
1: and he can't have no hoes from utah entertain him before he can choose just one i don't know that nice i want a mormon lady a mormon girl one nice mormon lady who has a fire instagram who he is claimed to know for. A extended period of time entertain him. Now he can't even have any guests. His mama, if she was in Utah, couldn't come through. He couldn't see his mama for four days. Literally, they said if his mom lived in Utah, he could not see his mama for four days while he was in Utah. So That's kind of crazy. Yeah. So when you think about it like that, it is kind of crazy because we obviously know some people would try to use these exceptions to do things that they should not do, right? But also... You can't really distinguish between those two things. And the things that they've also done is limit pregame and postgame interactions. Players are limited to elbows or fist bumps. Apparently, they can't like dap hands and shit after free throws anymore. Like the NBA has literally said this. Well, why are they still doing that? Look, I stopped doing that months ago. Look, this is interesting because they have limited all these things, but you can still swipe down at my face. When I'm going up for a layup, but I can't dap you up after hitting a free throw. So you gotta think about it. You're like, why aren't they doing these things? Cause maybe cause you can do all those other things. Well, yes and no. You're gonna dive I mean, after the ball together, huffing all two, over each other, nigga. But two
0: two things. Two things. So number one, minimizing as much contact as possible is what's key. The second is, you know, they talk about 15 minutes of accumulated time with someone who is infected. And the NBA and NFL both track their players and usually with the normal on the court activities, even diving for the ball and stuff, there's good enough ventilation in the arena. Plus, the uh, you know lack of 15 minutes of contact time means that you're unlikely to spread it. And so, any minimization of contact is probably good. But there's always going to be some risk to be able to play the game. You got to be able to play defense. You got to be able to go after the ball, etc. But those are acceptable risk versus there's ones that are unacceptable that you can actually cut out without you know changing the product
1: on the court. So this is interesting. Because after these things were released, a reporter asked now Oklahoma City Thunder, George Hill, about his opinion on these new restrictions set up by the NBA and the protocols. And he had these things to say. I mean, I'm a grown man, so I'm going to do what I want to do. If I want to go see my family, I'm going to go see my family. They can't tell me I have to stay in a room uh, 24-7. If it's that serious, then maybe we shouldn't be playing. So first off, he hits it with, I'm a grown man. Y'all can't be telling me what I'm going to do and tell me I got to stay in my room and do nothing. Which is like, I hear you. But then he says something that's really interesting to me. If it is this serious, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. That's either that or a bubble. (laughs) It seems like that's the options at this point. And he goes on. No one's going to be able to just canceled their whole life for, the, for this game. And uh, that's how I think about it. Um, I just don't understand some of the rules as far as, you know, we can sweat 48 minutes with the, with the guy next to us and the team next to us, but we can't talk to him after the game. It, it makes no sense for me. So you really kind of got into the latter part of his quote. He's like, we could sweat on guys for 48 minutes, but like we can't talk to them after the game, right? And maybe there's some science to that. But he's he's making a very strong point, and I feel like a lot of players are going to agree with him. They did not like the bubble when they did the bubble, and they are basically kind of mini-bubbling them now every time they go on a road trip. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, this is where I think my argument for a playoff bubble looks more and more correct every time. So mm-hmm. it, it's been interesting. The league has been pretty... Sta- Uh, steadfast on they have no intentions to pause the league at all this year that they knew people were going to catch covid and that it was just like our job was to mitigate the spread we could not eliminate it
0: yes and no they have maybe mitigated it somehow in the facility but it's not not enough mitigation happening outside of the facility or the games because too many players are getting covid Um, or actually I will even go so far says I don't think they are mitigating it in the facility because you have one player on a team end up as four or five or six. And we saw earlier, you know, with the haircut situation in Houston, that players are not following enough of these rules to not have it spread amongst the team.
1: Or even just contact tracing. You got to remember once you get put into the protocol, it doesn't mean that you necessarily have COVID, but more so we have one positive test and the contact tracing makes you a likely. Person to have possibly caught it and could spread it as well. And the contact tracing is really what's depleting the rosters right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is definitely the season to be an antisocial kind of guy. Like, I'm sure Kawhi is great. He has an excuse not to hang out with anybody <laughs> or talk to anyone. And I think he'd be the last player to get COVID, <laughs> um, honestly. If, if his demeanor that we've seen of him in public so far is any indication, he's not hanging out with anybody outside the team whatsoever. Not in his apartment, wherever he lived, nothing. None of that. He is sitting by himself watching like old Dave Chappelle
1: or (laughs) film. (laughs) Look, so this is interesting. The last part of this COVID and crossovers thing I want to get into is Kyrie Watch, which honestly should at this point maybe be its own standalone segment because Kyrie will be entertaining for this entire season. So as many of you already know, Kyrie has missed the last three or four Nets games for quote-unquote personal reasons. And during this time, there has been a lot of speculation as why he's missed it. Some have said it's mental health purposes in the wake of the Capitol and all the things that's happening. He doesn't think he should be playing, etc. We know other players have shared that sentiment. However, recently, Kyrie has decided to be very visible while not playing. Most recently, he was videotaped at a gathering that looked like a club, bar, et cetera, of a birthday party. There was a lot of people there. And at first, when you're watching the video, you're like, okay, there could be less than 15 people in this video until his sister, whose birthday it is, blows out the candles and you start hearing the roar of applause and the person pans out and you're like, nigga, there was like 50 plus people in this bitch. No mask on. Now the league is investigating. And he could actually not be able to play a whole nother week after their investigation. If if that's not crazy enough for you, then he is seen on a zoom call for the Manhattan district attorney during a Nets game. Like his v- yes, DeMarcus, his video is on nigga. You can vocalize your confusion because niggas can't see your face. His video is on. That's perplexing to me. I'll say that. Like his video is on. He's sitting there like this, DeMarcus, and it is during a Nets game. Like he is among like, let's say like 12 to 15 other Zoom picture boxes during this game in a meeting.
0: Do we know what the meeting was about?
1: I mean, it was like he is basically being an activist in his community and being part of a fundraising effort for a Manhattan district attorney.
0: Okay. 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 Really? Here's what I'll say. Because I've been waiting to tee off on Kyrie Irving. okay, I don't like him. This is part of the reason why I don't like him. You can't trust him between being injured, uh, being kind of uh, you know aloof and then uh, questionably you know disappearing. I don't like the guy. You can't depend on him, can't count on him. Uh, he's selfish, he don't care about his teammates. this has always been the case, etc. I have the I have three teams now where I can show this to be true. but more importantly, Even if that is what he's doing, whether it's mental health, whether it's the capital, whether it's fundraising and activism, you can't just disappear and not let your teammates and the front office know. Like I was watching ESPN last week and they were like, oh, it's okay. Some guys just don't like to open up. Nah, fam, I'm paying you like half a million a game to show up and ball and you're going to disappear. You at least got to tell me why. Like you can't be like, well, I'm just taking a personal day. Um, I'll I'll, I'll let y'all know when I want to come back. That's unacceptable.
1: Which he did do that. Job. He texts his teammates that "Hey yo, I'm not gonna show up." He didn't text the coach. He ain't text the owner. He ain't text the GM. He texts his teammates. He's like, "Hey yo, fam, I'm not gonna be there, my guy." Exactly. This is this is
0: like. First off, I'm like, okay, maybe, and and for a few days, he was totally MIA. No one had seen him until the videos and things you talked about surfaced online. Like this dude, we thought that he had literally walked off the edge of the earth and fallen into oblivion because, you know, the earth is flat. And <laughs> and then he shows back up. What? You know I have to get a flat earth joke in. <laughs> but you can't trust him. Like, And I think this, of course, contributed to the Nets pulling the trigger on the Harden trade because Harden will act a fool when he is upset or wants out. But if he want to be there, Harden's going to hoop and he's going to ball. And he and he might hit the strip club uh, after the game. But he going to be there and show up and he going to ball
1: in the game and drop 40, 50, 60 on you. And Kyrie won't even do that. Interestingly enough, Eric, you know, Eric from Atlanta, Zone 6 nigga, he's going to be mad because he's not actually from Zone 6. But for the purposes of the podcast from now on, Eric is actually from Zone 6. He had the funniest thing to say, and I'm going to have to put you all on this one right now. He said, I bet you that Harden snaps back faster than a Magic City stripper after Twins. (laughs) That's that's pretty good. Yeah. That's like, pretty good. If y'all good. didn't know, Harden has just been like packing on the pounds as kind of like, I don't know, she's like eating through protest. A few things. So number one, yeah, shout out
0: to Eric. Uh, Eric's hilarious, has great commentary uh, on the book, uh, and it's great. But when it comes to James Harden and snapping back, I think it's a, a lot of it, it's a cardio thing. Um, when he was trying to win a championship and was looking fit, they were like, oh, James Harden runs like eight miles a day. So it could just be that he's eating the same diet and just not running the eight miles. And as soon as he gets to Brooklyn, he's going to start running again. He's going to start working out in the gym again. And he's going to drop that weight really quickly. Because you got to think for an NBA player, if you put in any kind of semblance of work that you're supposed to, weight's going to fall off you so fast, so quickly. And once he gets back in shape, he's going to be hitting step back threes and dropping 30 every night again. And uh, to be for fair, out of
1: shape James Harden was still dropping 30 on niggas. So let's
0: be very true. Clear. <laughs> true. But I don't, I'm not a big fan of James Harden either. You know that. So it's a bunch of people on this team now who I don't like, which I love cuz I can hate on them. So I actually have I have one more story for our COVID and crossovers. And here's the thing. And this is about the Nets because it's about KD and lots of other players. So it's come out in the past couple of days that lo- the NBA has now had multiple days where they've had multiple players test positive for the coronavirus for the second time. Essentially, these guys are getting reinfected after having already been previously thought to have the virus. And so therefore, they should have some kind of immunity built up to getting it again. Now, the CDC says, based on what we know already, that getting reinfected is not unheard of and it's quite normal, actually. But from everything that I've read, it's it's really strange to get reinfected within 90 days of having coronavirus. Usually, that's how long your immunity is going to last or a good, a good indicator of how long it's going to last. Uh, but there's another more disturbing problem, and that is the NBA believes that many of the tests in the spring and the summer that were positive for coronavirus may have actually been false positives, that were asympt- and they thought they just had asymptomatic coronavirus. So now, guys who thought that they had it and maybe had some immunity now don't have any. They're not sure really who has had it and who hasn't had it from those tests earlier in this year. And as a result, um, it's really created quite, quite a mess when it comes to COVID and the kind of escalating uh, nature of this. For example, we know that KD had a seven-day uh, quarantine, like you said, about after someone who lived with him tested positive, even though he had already had it and should have had some, some immunity to it or whatever, or very low risk of getting it. We, we have other situations where teams are getting their players tested for antibodies but there's no like league set threshold for what's enough antibodies to say that you had it and have recovered and are good to go. And so they're changing these protocols on the fly as well. And so we're going to see what happens with this, but things are not looking too hot for the NBA. And it seems like they are just guessing or or making guesses every single uh,
1: place that they can. And uh, it could be too many. All right. That was your COVID and crossover. Welcome to the final segment of our show, the heart of our show, Ballers Bouquet. Too often in the media, people only want to focus on the negative and salacious things athletes do and never want to give them their credit where credit is due. Here, we'd like to make a change. Yeah, and you know, this winter,
0: uh, we've got a nice winter blast. Texas even had some snow this past weekend, which was unusual. It didn't stick. Everybody acted crazy, but we had some snow. But, We're going to go to Cleveland, where we're going to talk about the Browns offensive tackle Jedrick Wills, who also had his own winter blast and is this week's recipient of the baller's bouquet. (laughs) So this past holiday season, just before Christmas, um, Jedrick, uh, you know, had some some warmness in his heart and wanted to do a lot of good in his community. So Jedrick went out. And generously donated a car to a woman who, in need, um, her family had lost their home in a tragic house fire. And he also bought them a new car as well as paid their rent for over a year. Now, this is not the only good that he that he's done and not the first time that he has done good. So in addition to taking care of this family who was involved in a tragic, tragic situation in Cleveland, Jedrick also went out of his way and donated $50,000 worth of toys and cash to five needy families. So think about it this way. His cold blast really did change the lives of many families, six families at least, really very quickly in the Cleveland area. And that's the kind of you know, motivation that we need every single day with all the things going on in the world. Now, as I mentioned, this is not Jedrick's first time donating a car to someone or doing good. Uh, he was a former first-round draft pick by the Cleveland Browns, who he still plays for. And when he went in the first round, he bought his mama car. And so he loves handing out cars. He he, he might as well be the Oprah of the NFL, a car for you, a car for you, a car for <laughs> you. So we do want to shout out Jedrick Wills this week and also his Cleveland Browns, who put it on the Pittsburgh Steelers in the wildcard round. And who look like they might lose next weekend to the Chiefs and my homeboy, but um, they've had a good season so far and he looks to be a really good talent with a really good heart. Now, it's also important to point out that this story was a bit under the radar. I was able to pick it up through some tweets by Adam Schefter and uh, looking on Reddit, but Jedrick did not post any of this information, whether in text or pictures or video or anything about it on any of his social media as in he truly did good acts out of the kindness of his heart and not for the likes or the retweets or the hearts or whatever it is that people do good things for sometimes so we know this is coming from the right place
1: and it's interesting to note for me that he was also the sub one of the subjects of our tea off last week and this the salacious story about the drag racing and being pulled over got infinite times more coverage than this type of a story ever does so that's kind of the reason why this segment is important because they'll always talk about the negative when it happens to players but so infrequently do people want to focus on the positive and the good that they actually do
0: no absolutely even even he didn't want to focus on it too much because he didn't post anything about it whatsoever but i will say we do need more people like Jedrick, both in the NFL and in this world. I mean, it's much better than hearing stories about, you know, athletes hidden on teenage girls. Um, I would much rather tell stories about athletes buying Christmas gifts for, you know, young, needy children. Um, That's much, much better. So um, these altruistic actions are the ones that really give me uh, that good feeling in my heart and some hope in the world with everything going on. I need more actions like this in my inbox. Even if they don't make it onto the show, it'll just be good for my mental health. So please tweet us at the FlyRoutePod and let us know of the good things that you see athletes doing, both to help us just, you know, be better people, be happier people because of the good things going on in the world, but also maybe your con- contribution will be featured on the next episode of the Fly Route Podcast. So that is how we're going to start out 2021. And then we will kick it off next week. And we're going to talk more about big acts of giving that people do get recognition for. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a,
1: it's a playboy affair. All right. All right. All right. That is it for episode 18 of the fly route podcast. As always, we want to say that we appreciate each and every single one of you for taking the time out of your day to listen. As always, we want to get your feedback, hear what you think, do you think this trade was a win for Brooklyn? Do you think that the Houston Rockets are gonna be any good this year now that Harden is gone? Let us know. Hit us up on Twitter, Instagram at the Fly Route Pod. Also, give us your playoff
0: picks. Like we can't be the only ones out here putting our reputation on the line. Let us know who you think is gonna win in the divisional round of the playoffs this weekend.
1: Is your Super Bowl pick still the Kansas City Chiefs?
0: Absolutely. I wouldn't change for anything.
1: All right. We will see you all next Friday.